Welcome to the world of you. Welcome back to The Basement Binge, or if this is your first episode, welcome. If you recognize that opening music, which is not the typical intro music, you know that you are in for a treat with this really fun episode. This episode was not planned in any way, and I cannot be more excited that it gets to be part of Animation Hall of Fave 2. I can't express a big enough thank you to Dejongo on Letterboxd, who I'll link below, one of my favorite people on that site. He brought it to my attention. I would have completely missed this film if it wasn't for him. And it's an incredible film that fits perfectly into this animation season. And I'm so glad that it's here. So let's start talking about Bell with the first segment, Two Cents. Two Cents is completely spoil-free. So if you haven't seen this film, don't worry. I'm not going to spoil anything, but just give you some reasons why you should definitely go see it. Bell is a remarkable film that I wish I would have reviewed earlier. I wish I would have known about it earlier so I could have anticipated reviewing it because at least here in Utah, The theatrical run of it is ending, and I want to recommend it to people. I want people to go and see it, one, to support the film, but also just because it's completely worth seeing. It's it's really, really great. It's the newest film from director Mamoru Hosoda, which I'm warning throughout the entire episode, I'm going to mispronounce a bunch of these Japanese names. But you might know him from Miyari or The Girl Who Leapt Through Time, Summer Wars, or even the original Digimon movie from 2000. He's an incredible director. But so the film Bell you should definitely go watch the trailer. I'll link one below. It's a 70-second trailer. That's the one that I'm particularly fond of, but any of the trailers are phenomenal. The film follows Suzu, who is a high school girl who lives in a small rural town with her father, and she's very shy. But by invitation from her friend, she joins this popular online world called You with avatars created from your individual biometrics. She enters the world as an avatar named Belle, and rises to fame with her beautiful singing. And all the eyes of you are fixed on her suddenly, and then a dragon figure appears, known as the Beast, who wrecks her concert, drawing even more hate from everyone in you that he already had. Suzu feels some connection, and as Belle in the world of you chases after the Beast, trying to understand him. So if you can't tell from the names in the synopsis, it is a retelling of Beauty and the Beast, but with a modern twist. Kind of. The film really is not just so much about beauty and the beast or Belle and the beast or the dragon. The film is about Suzu. She's shy and a bit alone and is trying to make it through high school while also dealing with a lot of grief and feelings of abandonment that she's felt from when she was young. And part of that journey is this online world of you, a very real story for the modern age where coming of age, technology and digital worlds are 100% a part of that. And her involvement in that and the way that it shapes her as a person. It's a wonderful story. There's a lot going on in the film, but it's definitely not a bad thing. All these elements about Suzu's story, her friends, who are also great, Belle and the world of you, and then the Beast, they're all weaved perfectly together to tell a really moving story about love and compassion and the power of reaching out and connecting with someone new. Multiple times during the two viewings that I've had now, I was brought to tears because it's just a very, very powerful story. Matching this touching story, though, is the animation that's honestly out of this world. The world of you is remarkably crafted with 3D animation full of dazzling colors and shapes. The real world where Suzu lives is crafted with breathtaking 2D animation. And seriously, take the time to watch that 70-second trailer to get an idea of these beautiful visuals. This film, I'm going to talk about them a lot more in binge points, but there was a lot of work in crafting them, and it, it pays off. This is a beautiful film. 
also in line with the story about Beauty and the Beast, there's a lot of music in this film, both of the music that is sung diegetically, but also the score is full of deeply personal emotions and really fun musical numbers. I haven't stopped listening to it since seeing the film. This happens a lot when I record episodes that when I'm writing it and preparing, I listen to the score and the music from the film and then I get really into it. And sometimes when I finish writing, I go to record. I don't want to record because I want to keep listening to the music. It's 10 times worse this time around. I, I don't want to stop the song. You know, I'll, I'll just be finishing up a sentence and another song will start and I'll be like, oh, I can't, I can't start recording until the song's over. And, and then the next one will play and I and just want to keep enjoying it. The music is wonderful to listen to, but as I listen to it, my eyes get a little watery because the emotions are still so rich in both of the lyrics of them and the way they're performed. It's, it's wonderful music. And I was talking to my wife about this. The first animation season, if you're a longtime listener of The Basement Binge, if you haven't, go check out those other episodes, had your name. It completely rocked my world, and I wasn't expecting something like that to happen again. Not to compare this to your name, because they're completely different. This year, I had a silent voice, which I'm really excited for. My expectations are very high for that. But I wasn't ready for another exceptionally crafted anime with striking visuals and powerful music that tells a personal and sincere story that everyone can love and appreciate that just grabs hold of me in every sense the way that your name did. Again, not to compare them, they're very different films, but just a similar experience with both of them where I had, I was excited about them, but I don't, nothing could have prepared me. And this, the same thing here as well. It just, it, Bell has completely rocked my world and I haven't been able to stop thinking about it. The way that the director Hasoda is able to balance everything in the film so well while telling while while also tying in elements of beauty and the beast it's exceptional it's a rich film to watch if you somehow still can if it's in theaters go see it asap get tickets for this weekend if not check it out whenever it's on home release it was released clear back forever ago in 2021 in, in june or july if i remember right at the Cannes festival in front in france the home release i assume would be soon. This January, the 12th or the 14th, was its wide release uh, here in the U.S. And, and everywhere else. It's been released in Japan for quite a while now. Uh, so hopefully the home release is coming soon because I want to see it again already. I, I was not planning on doing this episode. This, this wasn't scheduled. This is a bonus episode, as I'm calling it. It's not going to have a number. I'm just going to call it a bonus episode. Even when I got tickets for the film, when Django brought it to my attention on Letterboxd, I was mainly going just because it looked like a good film to see. I have a subscription to the movie theater uh, locally here, so every month I can go see a movie, and I was looking for one to see, and I was like, this is a good fit. Let me, let me go see it, and I was excited about it from that alone. And then I watched the trailer, and I was like, wow, this trailer's awesome, uh, and I was just expecting, you know, a, a, I liked the music and I liked the visuals, and that was sufficient for me. I was, I was not prepared for it to be such a powerful, emotional film uh, the way that it is, and the, the movie finished and I just knew I had to talk about it. And it was so perfect that Animation Hall of Fave 2 was happening because this is everything that I love about animation. The timing was too perfect. It's a phenomenal film. It's a beautiful story. The, the voice acting is incredible. The animation I already mentioned is remarkable. And the story, of course, it's, it is well worth your time if you have not seen it. That's all I can say, spoiler free. I have a lot more to say about the film. Now, normally this is where I would, the spoilers would start, but I want to just, keep, we can keep you here for one more segment. Pick your poison. This is the rating scale here at the Basement Binge. We'll keep it spoiler free. The rating scale here at the Basement Binge, instead of out of stars or percentage, it's all about the bingeability of the film and if I would be willing to, how I would choose to interact with it after seeing it this one time. So the four options are to never watch it again, which is totally self-explanatory. 
above that is to stream it, meaning it's on a service I'm already paying for and I'm simply just looking for something to watch when I'm kind of browsing. I'd be willing to click on it, maybe mindful, mindlessly watch it. Above that is to rent it digitally or you know through Redbox or something like that. In the right circumstances, I'd pay a few dollars. And above that is to buy it, pay the full price, own it, watch it as many times as you'd like and have it be a part of your collection, again, digitally or physically. Without a doubt, from the, from even before thinking about the segment, just personally thinking about it, this is a film that I'm going to buy as soon as it's available. I'm hoping that there's some type of collector's edition that also comes with the CD just because I love the music and I want to have that as well. And also I can display it next to the Your Name one uh, that came from last year's Animation Hall of Fame. And that'd be kind of fun. Just mementos from the podcast and, and also just film in general that I love. So to not sound cheesy, this is one of those movies that reminds me why I like to collect movies. I, I like owning movies. These types of films only happen so often that they just feel special that even if it's not one that you will revisit every week or every year, it's, it's one that feels like it belongs in your collection, so you can revisit it. But this probably will be a film that I visit every year. Now, that is all I can say, spoiler-free. So we're going to get into the spoilers. If you've seen the film, please stick around. I, there's a lot of great details I have to go in, in, in binge points about the animation. Before we get into any segments, though, a uh, super, super brief announcement here at the Basin Binge as part of Animation Hall of Fave 2. If you haven't guessed, it's all about animation. All January and February, I'll be re- reviewing animated films that I already love or I anticipate loving that I haven't seen before. It's lots of fun. So subscribe to the Basin Binge wherever you're listening for that. Additionally, as part of that, there is a giveaway happening for any of the films that I end up reviewing during animation season, you can win a copy of. If you're the winner, it's your choice. There's also a second place prize of a $10 gift card to either a video on demand service or a local movie theater, again, of your choice. The way you can enter is very simply. You can either share the Basin Binge on Instagram and tag me, or you can leave a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Podchaser. Simply just leave a review. All the links you need below. I highly recommend Podchaser. It's completely free. Podchaser.com slash The Basement Binge. It's a great place for all podcasts. But also it lets you have multiple entries because you're not just restricted to reviewing the show as a whole. You can review each individual episode. Again, reviews help a ton. If you'd like to own a copy of any of the animated films, including this one, if it's whenever it's released, if you're the winner and this is the film you would like, I will get it for you whenever it's released. So everything you need, Instagram or places to review are linked below. You can also send me an email screenshot of your review to make sure that I, you get that entry. So all of that's below. Let's have a brief interruption here and then we'll get on to the segments. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Thank you for supporting The Basin Binge by listening to that. Let's get on to the next segment here, Live Up. Live Up is where I talk about my expectations for the film and if it is able to live up to them because I'm really good with the names. Like I kind of mentioned, I, I didn't really know what to expect. I got tickets 
because I was looking for something good to watch and Django mentioned it again. So grateful for him mentioning it. But the, the release drew closer and I started researching it more and more and I watched the trailer and I was really into it and I was into the music. And then I saw that there was an English trailer because I had tickets for the Japanese with the English subtitles and the English was really, really good. The dub was awesome. The, and I was kind of disappointed like, oh, maybe I should go see the English one and I was second guessing myself. And then I went and saw the Japanese version and it was wonderful. And two days later, I took my wife and we went and saw the English one. Both are great. I loved it both times. English or Japanese, it doesn't matter. However you choose to see this film, just go see it. I really didn't know what... I, I don't think I could have had expectations for this because I just... I, I was ready for a really visually stunning anime. The trailer gives that away. That was the selling factor of it for me. But I was not prepared for how impressive those visuals would be in craft, and especially as preparing this episode and all the work that went into creating them, and especially going the second time around with some of that knowledge and seeing how exceptional the images really are. Even more so than that, I was not ready for such a heart-wrenching story. I had no idea I was going to be so emotionally moved. It, it really is such a wonderful use of the story of Beauty and the Beast. Belle, as someone who is just wanting to be heard, I think Suzu as... Bell is remarkable. Somebody's just looking for their own voice and wanting to be heard, if not just heard by themselves alone. And then the beast as someone looking for love in a world of hurt, often not inflicted by themselves. Bell being someone full of empathy and not just like a princess type quality that, oh, because she falls in love, she's just there and she's locked in a dungeon type thing, but as a quality that is learned through loving parents and trying experiences in life. And to sidestep the cliche romance for a sincere expression of love and compassion. Not romantic love, but just love. It's hard to say more because I really had no expectations solidly formed and I was just completely blown away. I really didn't know what to expect. So to answer the question of the segment a little early, did it live up? Well, yeah, it exceeded anything I was expecting. And now seeing... A Again, both the Japanese and English versions, again, not to add anything to the conversation of sub versus dub, however you choose to enjoy these films, just enjoy them. But seeing both, there's an, an additional thing that exceeded my expectations, and that's the cast for both. Again, probably going to mispronounce the names here, but Kaho Nakamura is not a voice actor. She plays Suzu. She's a Japanese singer and an exceptional one at that. So yes, the scene in the film is incredible. But what really got to me is her voice acting in the performances where she's not singing. She really touched my heart with kindness and softness of Suzu and really made that character uh, one who I could understand through her voice. And then Kylie McNeil, who plays Suzu in the English version, she captures that same purity in acting and in the singing. What a difficult role to perform in singing, to not just be dubbing a voice, but also singing. And her performance matches Nakamura's so well. I mean, I'll play two clips. This is the same song, same timestamp, just Japanese versus English. And of course, the words are different, but the, this, the voice matches so well. So just give it a listen.
by my side. Winds of love breathe into my life. I've seen tons of comments online about people saying how they thought that Nakamura just recorded her uh, songs in English as well, but. Kylie McNeil, either way, did an incredible job, and it's they, their, their voices match in the best way possible. The rest of the cast is great, too. Ryo Narita, who's returning from your name, he is Shinobu. He really, really got to me in the, in the Japanese version, and particularly the scene at the end where he's telling Suzu to sing as herself. That Throughout the entire film, he really did, but in that moment, he, he really got to me. In the English version, Hunter Schaefer as Ruka is really great just to name a few. And then both voice actors for The Beast or Kai, Takira Sato in the Japanese, and then Paul Castro Jr. in the English, both of them. Uh, that's a, a powerful performance, and they portray both a beast and then a child, and they do exceptionally well. And I, I just have to add, to kind of close out this segment here, that I love the high school coming-of-age aspects of this film. I've seen some individuals online expressing that maybe the beauty and the beast nature didn't match with this part of the film, and I think that they matched really well because it's all about the journey of Suzu, and it's essential to everything else that happens, while also everything else happening is what helps Suzu come of age, so to speak. The events aren't in a vacuum, and I'm glad that Hasoda didn't let the high school romance overshadow the powerful relationship and message between Belle and the Beast. The relationship between Suzu and Shinobu are really fun, and I like the way that it ends, and kind of the hint at what potentially is coming, but it doesn't, it's not forced in there to overshadow the relationship Belle develops with the Beast or Suzu develops with Kai. So in every way, I can't say this enough, it exceeded anything I could have, even even if I went in with solid expectations because it really didn't form any, even if I did, it would have completely blown them out of the water. And I totally adore this film. So on to the next segment, which is exclusive to the Animation Hall of Fave, and that is Lame, Fave, or Fame. This is a fun segment to just kind of talk about in this supposed Hall of Fave. Is this particular entry this year worthy of it? Is it lame or it just doesn't live up to what I thought it would and doesn't deserve an entry? Is it a fave or I recognize maybe it doesn't deserve widespread fame and everyone has to recognize it, and, but I just like it. Or at the top, fame where everyone needs to recognize it. And without a doubt, this is a film deserving of the title of fame. I mean, are you kidding me? This film's exceptional. I am not the only one under this impression. Like I mentioned, it premiered at the Cannes Festival in Paris, and at the conclusion of the film, it had a 14-minute standing ovation, which is completely deserving of a link of video below where you can see the first seven minutes of that standing ovation, but it went on for 14 minutes, which is well-deserved. And the best part of that video is seeing Hisoto's reaction. He just keeps smiling and, and bowing and waving, and it's just... I, I love to see artists rewarded for their work. And of course, he wasn't the only artist in this project, but, you know, the one kind of helming it. And it's a fun video. Either way, it, it is deserving of that. I'm really surprised with how much I love animation in these types of films that it was not on my radar at all. Like, I, I didn't know a single thing about it. Uh, again, cannot express enough appreciation to Django. Uh, but now, having seen it and knowing that, I wish I could have been there in that 14-minute standing ovation. Both times when I went to go see it, the theater I was in was almost completely empty. Granted, it was weekdays. The first time I went to go see the Japanese version, 
is like 3.30ish in the afternoon on a Monday, uh, just because those are the times they had available. They had very, very limited showings, only four a day, two in Japanese, two in English. But anyway, when I went to the Japanese, I was me on a row completely by myself, and then two rows behind me, a family, uh, you know, a mom and dad, and then either two or three kids. And that was it. The second time when I went with my wife on a Wednesday at like 6.30, we were the, literally the only ones in the theater. <laughs> there was there was nobody else, which was fun, but also sad, you know. I just think that it, at least here in Utah, it was a film that I had nobody was mentioning. So uh, I think that that needs to change. This is a film that should be remembered and should be talked about. My wife, who isn't uh, as enthusiastic as films as I am, not a film buff, but is always supportive, has been telling everybody about it. And for her to tell people about it means it's really a good film and is deserving of that fame. To just step away from the fun I had with the film and my love for it, it's a very, very powerful and important message of love and connecting with people and also really refreshingly the positive sides of the internet and what those can bring. The animation is groundbreaking and visually remarkable. It deserves a hall of fame, not just out of my love for it, but out of everything that it brings to the format of animation and what it can do and what it can be completely deserving of fame. So let's talk about that animation and one went into it in binge points. If you're familiar with the Basin Binge, you know what these are. If not, binge points are just Easter eggs, details, trivia, behind the scenes, production details, whatever, just things, details about the film that I want to mention. And the majority of this segment, all of it except for like one sentence, is going to be devoted to the crafting of this film because there was a lot of work in regards to the animation. It was a very, very intense process. Like I mentioned, the real world of Japan where Suzu lives is all hand-drawn 2D animation, typical. But the world of you was all CG to create a different look, 3D animation. But they still wanted it to be at home in anime, and that required a lot of work for it to be 3D CG that matched a 2D world. And there's an entire list of people that worked on it, and it's really international list. Asoto, when talking about this great team he assembled... He said, the film grew with the diversity of creative talent, and I really like the dynamism. I completely agree. So let's talk a little bit specifically about the different sections, starting with the CG animation of the world of you, the 3D animation. So this animation actually had two directors, Ryo Hirobi, who is in charge of character and animation-related parts, and Yohai Shimozawa, who is in charge of the background, effects, the composite, and other visual-related parts. So starting with Bell, she, her character was designed by Disney veteran Jin Kim, who you have probably seen some of the films he's worked on, including Big Hero 6, Zootopia, Frozen, and then Netflix's Over the Moon. So he came up with a bunch of concept art for Belle, and it looked very Disney. Some of the other animators, uh, particularly animation directors, were talking about how it looked very Disney. And so the animation director Takaki Yamashita refined the design to look a little more anime and to match it. But they did still, they took those designs that, and matching it so, Belle is supposed to look like a princess. But they also got a lot of inspiration from Disney and Pixar for CG acting performances and trying to get the right emotion and expression from these characters in CG. They talked frequently about how can we make it like Disney, because Disney does this really well. Say what you will about them, their animation and acting in animation is great. So that process was really particular and had a lot of care, but it definitely wasn't an easy one. The 3D model alone of Bell had to be designed differently based on the perspective of the camera. So the character modeler, Chiaki Watanabe, she said, quote, in works previously produced by 
DF, they had been a few other anime human characters that appeared in feature-length films, so we were feeling our way through the character modeling, meaning it was new to them. Anyway, continuing. We had two sets of character designs, one by Mr. Kim that was expressive and Disney-esque, and one by Mr. Yamashita that was anime-style. In the beginning, it was hard to choose one. Bell was set as a AS whose appearance was based on the main character's classmate, Ruka. We figured that would mean more of the elements of anime would come through and decide to reproduce Mr. Yamashita's design. There are frontal face and side profile face designs. It was tricky to put these designs together into a three-dimensional shape, and we have a hard time with that. When you add as much stereoscopic effect to the frontal face as you would to the side profile face, you get too much shadow. And if you have as much of the white of the eye showing in the mid-profile face as you would in the side profile, it does not look as pretty. In the end, we prepared frontal, mid-profile, and side-profile face models. They were then reflected into the face rig. So there's a link of this article with this interview with all of these animators who I'm about to talk about, but also to this particular picture and a, a GIF that you can see where it will show frontal view, this mid-profile and the side profile, but then it will also keep the rig at the same mid-profile and shift between them so you can see how they adjusted the rig based on those profiles and had to blend between them seamlessly so that you could get the look of Belle consistently with beauty. For example, her freckles and the white lines on her face had to be built into the mesh of the model and the rig because they would break if they weren't. So they spent, ended up spending over two months just on Bell's face and creating systems and rigs and animation techniques to have that work consistently. One of the animation supervisors, Yokonobu Fujimatsu, said, There are just under 600 cheesy shots in the film. We had 64 animators in total. Some of the shots that needed to be crafted carefully took over a month to get an okay from the director. What the director was most interested in when he was checking was whether the character was emotionally expressive and whether acting performance suited the shot intention and character. No matter how good of emotion we created, if he didn't match the character's emotions, the director would tell us it's completely off. So we focused on how much emotion could be delivered in every single expression and motion. If, if you don't know anything about animation, the way that they did it was actually with keyframing. They developed a lot of programs and simulations for like flowy fabrics and flowy hair, but it didn't, it didn't perform the way that they wanted, so they just went with keyframe animation. If you don't know what keyframes are, in essence, it, the keyframes are used in a lot of things, not just animation. In essence, it's uh, at one frame, you mark it, you mark the position of the hand or the elbow or whatever, and then you move to the next segment and mark it there, and then it will move between those keyframes within the time period that you specify. So it's a long process, uh, individual work of animating uh, the movement, and it looks seamless. It's great animation to watch. To, to just briefly talk about this this 3D animation they did. I didn't even realize that it was 3D animation. I realized that it was different. The world of you looked and felt different as it's supposed to, but my brain didn't quite understand that it was 3D CG animation because it still matched the 2D world so well. And I can't imagine the difficulty in trying to balance the two. It looks great. So to speak about this a little bit more, towards the end of the film, Suzu at the end, when she reveals herself or unveils herself as Suzu, she's a CG character. So she, she's a hand-drawn character in the real world, but in the world of you, they wanted her to be a CG character because she's in the world of you. So they had to design that and animate that to match hand-drawn Suzu. So this decision actually happened three months before the film was going to be released. So Yashushi Kawamura, one of the animation directors, was assigned this process of creating the CG Suzu for the, that part of the film, he said, that's right. It was three months before delivery when the decision was made to create Suzu in CG and assets were finished. 
That was around March 2021, and from that point, we worked on development and making cuts in parallel, which was a unique situation. We were constantly talking with the animation team and updating the setup for Suzu's flowing hair, the texture of her shirt and skirt, and so on as we created her. If you use cloth simulation to manipulate the white shirt and and pleated skirt of her school uniform, you get movements that are slightly different from hand-drawn movements. We were all figuring things out as the deadline loomed. Belle's design was calculated to be photogenic CG character, or Suzu is more of a plainly drawn character. I thought director Hasoto took on quite a challenge in making Suzu appear in CG. Director Hasoda set the bar high, and it was fairly tense working on production toward delivery. I kept thinking that this is the sensation might be very similar to the sense of being unveiled. <laughs> Close going. Again, incredible work in marrying the 2D with the CG. And there was a lot of work that went into designing the character of Belle. So she wears a lot of dresses. Two of them are, are floral-like dresses. They were actually designed by a florist. Her name is Megumi Shinazaki. Shinazaki? Uh, according to Soto, some of the film's most stunning outfits are based on real-life dresses that were made for the film. Soto said, Belle is a really strong character, so she wouldn't wear ordinary clothes. That's why we thought it would be better to ask a designer with no fashion background. We had to figure out how to dress a fictional character who wouldn't wear anything ordinary, and having someone who enjoys the challenge elevated the film to a higher level. Besides these flower dresses, Belle also wore a beaded crystal headdress that looks great, kind of like a warrior's helmet. And also like a necklace on your head. It that was designed by Kinahiko Morinanga, uh, who's the founding designer of Anrealage Anrealage, which is a fra- fashion brand. Uh, no idea what that is, but he designed that great headpiece. So moving on from Bell, let's talk about the background and the world of you. So the world of you was actually designed by a young digital architect named Eric Wong from the UK. Hasoto actually found him online. He was looking, they were trying to come up with the designs of you and, and what it would look like. And he saw some of his work online and just reached out to him and asked him to come up with some concepts. And so he sent those ideas over and Hasoto loved them so much that he officially brought him on to the project to design you. They also had help from the wonderful Cartoon Saloon, the Irish studio behind the incredible film Wolfwalkers, which almost made it into this year's Animation Hall of Fave, but I wanted to save it for next year, um, just timing-wise. But I'm, now I kind of feel bad. That's an incredible film. If you haven't seen Wolfwalkers and it's on Apple TV, uh, it's totally worth it. Get a free trial or whatever. Wolfwalkers is the first thing you should watch on Apple TV+. Plus. It's a remarkable film. Anyway, the Wolfwalkers directors, Tom Moore and Ross, Stu- and Ross Stewart from Cartoon Saloon, Hasoto said, or excuse me, not Hasoto, a Studio Chizu spokesperson representative says they will bring their talents to the table along with Mamora Hasoto to create a never-before-seen world. The spokesperson also said that they would be working on background art for fantasy scenes in the internet world. So the background's on the road to the dragon's castle. So when Belle is trying to get to the castle that the beast lives in, we have a lot of those uh, backgrounds that you get. Those were designed by Cartoon Cartoon Saloon as concept art, but they were crafted with such detail and quality that they could readily be used as background art. So they ended up using them just as they were. The, the use of color was great, uh, and they used it in cuts. And so they just separated the concept art images into layers and built three-dimensional structures so that it can match the 3D nature of the world of you. But the majority of it was just was the background concept art that they received because the image was crafted so well. It's also great how the film had a very collaborative type nature matching the story of the film. Now, other cool things in the world of you, if you look in the crowd, 
you will not find an avatar twice. They had engineers create an avatar generator, as they called it, to just constantly pump out different designs for avatars to fill out this background so that there's not a single one that's repeated. Tons of brilliant work that went into the animation and a lot of people working hard on it. So now let's talk a little bit more about the music. In an interview, Iwasaki, the composer, said this about the music, quote, For the lyrics, Soto-san first wrote the main idea and shared it with us. Kaho Nakamura, who plays the role of Suzu for the original Japanese version, rewrote the lyrics and I adjusted them to the music, which is a very unique process. So again, with the music, it was a collaborative effort between a singer and songwriter and then the composer and then the director to craft them together. And because of that, you get really exceptional pieces of music. When asked about his favorite song, Iwasaki said it's a million miles away because there are so many different stories and they keep changing throughout the song. It involves all the emotions of Suzu, her friends, the dragon, and the people of you. In the end part, the song becomes a celebration for everyone, including the audience. They can feel as if they are at Bell's live concert. To achieve this, I actually solicited voices for La La La's, which are in the song, from all over the world and used over 3,000 voices that were gathered. I wanted people who have felt divided by the COVID-19 crisis to feel connected, at least in the film. So I chose this daringly difficult approach, which I thought was awesome. And then when Hasoda was talking about the music, he said, we had four different composers for this particular movie, three of them Japanese and one from Sweden. And each song with lyrics was done by a different composer, with the exception of the dancing scene between Belle and the dragon and the ending where Belle sings in front of everyone. Those were both done by Taisi Iwasaka, who I was just talking about earlier. But other than that, they had individual uh, composers for each one. One of those composers was actually a Japanese music group, Millennium Parade, who they composed the uh, opening song, You, for the beginning of the film, which is kind of cool. So the music really is just exceptional and, and really, really well done. When they were crafting the English version, they didn't want just direct translations. There's a lot of work that goes into crafting a song in English from Japanese to have words still match the tempo of the music without totally ruining it, while also having the same meaning. And so there was a lot of work that went into mixing and rewriting the English words, and then they were wonderfully performed by McNeil. Now, a few other, just one other cool detail that I wanted to mention here, I kind of hinted at earlier, was how reality influenced fiction. So there's a Q&A with the director, Hosoda, which I'll link below. The interviewer asked, Throughout your other movies, love and family are common themes. Bell contrasts different kinds of love, such as love from family and community in both the real world and the virtual world. Considering Bell's development occurring during the shutdowns in 2020, how did that impact your development on the story? And he said, I recall when I was drawing the storyboards, that's when we went into lockdown and I was hidden in my room churning out storyboards by myself. But in spite of that, there was an interesting connection that was happening between me and different creators around the world. Through the internet, we were able to interact with and communicate with collaborators who were going through the same thing. There was an interesting parallel between the two, how I was working alone in my space, but how I was also connected and able to produce this movie together with amazing talent around the world. Like I mentioned, having that connection with Cartoon Saloon, and also how Hosoto was able to find Eric Wong, the architect, through the internet to help design the world of you. Very, very cool how that really reflects the message of the film so well. The only other binge point I have, which is a more traditional binge point where it's, you know, fun details or Easter eggs in the film. At one point when Hiro, when Suzu goes over to Hiro's house, when Bell kind of reaches the top charts of the world view and there's that big screen that Hiro has in her, I think her dad's office. I don't know where it is. 
one of the books is called Pete the Cat, which is the exact cover of Pete the Cat. It was just fun. It was the only thing I noticed in the film as far as like a detail or Easter egg goes, but it was fun. That's actually my niece's, their like favorite book. It's a kid's book that's about this cat named Pete who sings. And it was just a fun detail to see as a binge point. So now we can move on to the second to last segment, which is least and likes. This is where I talk about my least favorite scene as, and my favorite scene. I'm not even sorry. I don't have a least favorite scene. I'm not going to pretend to. There's not a moment of the film that I don't like. Not a single one. So let's talk about my favorite scene. What's my like? Because I don't have a least. It's really difficult to pick one. There's a lot of moments that I could mention. I kind of mentioned this one earlier when Shinobu tells Suzu to sing as herself. And the way that he says Suzu and her name is, is particularly in the Japanese version, is with so much emotion that matches the moment perfectly. And her singing for everyone and them joining in is beautiful and powerful. It's interesting. It's very similar to the last film, Kung Fu Panda 3, and that conclusion. But it works so much better here in this film. There's also the really hilarious scene with Ruka and Chikami interacting. And Ruka just like putting her face in her hands and Suzu trying to get Chikami to talk to her. and it, it's hilarious. I'll link it below. It is so funny the way that it's animated. But Suzu is just so kind as an individual. She's stepping in outside of her comfort zone to be a good friend to Ruka and to Chikami. And just the way that it's animated, you get to fill in that kindness of Suzu. And it is done really, really well. It's, it's actually something that I loved about her character of Suzu is that she doesn't necessarily seek out interactions with others. But when it happens, she always does it with great kindness and is always so nice and caring. But I have to, I have, I have to pick my favorite scene out of all of those. It's going to be at the end of the film when Suzu gains confidence in herself through her experiences as Belle and goes all the way to Tokyo to defend Kai and Tomo and stands up to the dad in the rain. She doesn't need words. She doesn't even have to move, but is strong and beautiful at the same time the way she just stands there. And what it means for those two boys that she's defending, but also what it means for her and how she has grown and come of age as the common phrase is used in filmmaking. It is a wonderful, powerful, moving, moving moment that great moment in film there. And that, for so many reasons, is my favorite scene. I would be ashamed to pick something else. Now, to pick my favorite song, it's really hard. A Million Miles Away, Gales of Song. Those are really, really close seconds. I love both of them. It's really hard to pick a favorite. I think if I listened to those right before, I maybe would have said that. But I'm going to go with Lend Me Your Voice. It's a very powerful song with lyrics of love and empathy. Powerful, powerful voice of empathy. Particularly seeing the film once and then coming back around and understanding who the beast is and what his life is like and what Suzu does for him. And what that song means in that moment, I was moved to tears. It is a powerful, powerful song, and I really love it. I love the idea of empathy to others, and that film portrays it incredibly well. And that's a great segue into the last segment, Fall In. This is my favorite part of the podcast where I get to talk about themes or messages or meaning or very important and very real takeaways from the film. This is an exceptional film to duo with. I kind of wanted to start with some things that Hasoda said in an interview or in, in a few different interviews and just share them because I think his thoughts are, are wonderful, but I also just kind of want to jump off from there with my own, uh, but just start with his. 
So in one interview, he, he was asked, your movies often involve technology, social connections, and human compassion for strangers. What drew you to make the focus of Suzu's story? He replied, very often the internet is depicted in a dystopian way and people are afraid of what the internet represents. I hope that through this movie, people are more hopeful and open to the possibility of what the internet allows people to do and that can encourage people to put themselves out there and move forwards towards that future. And there was a follow-up question. Bell doesn't shy away from the reality of strangers on the internet, in which it's hard to distinguish between friend or foe. One of the focal points within the movie is the scary ability to directly see into someone's home life. How did you decide to include that as part of the story? And he replied, It's easy to fall into the trap of assuming everyone on the internet is good or bad. I think that by and large, there's negative connotations or implications about the intentions of an internet stranger. At the same time, there's a lot of positivity by meeting people that bring out the best talent within each other. When I was creating Bell, I wanted to put the spotlight on that more positive aspect of what the internet can do and how it can open all this talent into the world. And that is so true. If, the, the craziness of like TikTok, for example. TikTok has become its own world with its own culture. And a lot of scary things have happened because of it. A lot of things that I fear, particularly for young individuals. But it's also been life-changing for tons of people. Not just for the creators whose lives are completely different now, but for the way that it's impacted culture and the way that it's impacted people. Technology, while having negatives, I think it's important to view in that positive way from time to time, and I, that, that's refreshing. It's very, very true. In another interview, he was asked about this, the same type of ideas, and Hosoto said, The internet is no longer what it was 20 years ago. In many ways, we have a lot of our own issues that we have in our present. Real societies that have been transferred into the internet, like the toxicity and fake news and a lot of these kinds of negative aspects. I feel because of that, a lot of other films or works try to project the internet in a much more negative light. But for me, I want to help the younger generations come face to face with all these issues that we know exist in the internet and overcome them to somehow still turn into a much more positive space where they can go do a lot of things. Oh, I, I love that. I love particularly artists, thinking about the next generation. It always touches a special place in my heart. The, the internet really is a powerful place. And I think if we change our perspective into a positive place, that would change a lot. If we never view our actions online as something that's going to do good, it then never will do good. If every single time we have an interaction online, it's viewed with a slight haze of ne- negative, those interactions are never going to lead to positive things. So other comments Soto had here about the music, kind of moving on from the internet aspect. He said, music is certainly a centerpiece of this movie in many ways. Part of that is because we didn't want to tell the classic story of a girl from the suburban countryside who rises to pop stardom, but more a story about a soul that was somehow suppressed, seeking freedom and attaining that strength through this journey. That's why we didn't want to go after the very popular sounding songs or look toward the top US billboard. We wanted to really go for something much, much deeper where it's about her heart or her soul, seeking this freedom from some form of suppression, which is meant to encourage a lot of people th- going through similar phases. And I just, I just, I love that. With all the songs, they're absolute bangers. I haven't stopped listening to them, but there's a deeper part to the music that is incredibly powerful. These songs are diegetic, which means that they're heard by the characters. They're performed by Belle in the world, and the other characters are hearing them. These songs are composed by Suzu, by our character. 
You feel her longing for healing from losing her mom, pleading for her to come back in the gales of song. Music and singing is what can provide the need and healing for Suzu, but feeling that it's so directly connected to her mother and she's unable to reach it and use it, you feel all of those things in the song. To read the lyrics of it here, gales of song guide me through the storm on the winds of a small, simple melody. Words take flight and soar. They carry me, a world will see. Looking for a farewell, I'll pull the threads. A life without you, I cannot accept. I can't tell that lie. I can't let go. But now that you're gone, I have to move on. Seems like everyone just smiles staring at the sun. But what about me? Tell me how will I know where I should go? O gales, you sing and guide me. I walk alone. There's more to life I have to know. It's just me, lost so far away from home. Alone, I shut myself in. Still the wind howls, they call and their voices lead me. Gales of song guide me through the storm. Let the melody lift me high, I'll be me. Gales of song, please stay by my side. Winds of love, breathe into my life. You feel the uncertainty of loss and the desire to be able to move on through and with the gift of music. The hope in the gales of song finally returning and guiding her. You feel both of those emotions at once. This is just one example of the power of the music. People in the world of you want to know and are searching for who is Belle. But her songs tell us more about her than her name or her face ever would reveal. And it's a part of the challenge in performing Suzu, but also part of the magic. It isn't just a nice singing voice, but the emotions in that voice in singing and finally being able to sing. It's very, very powerful. The film is about Suzu striving to overcome grief and loss and a sense of abandonment. It's about how people deal with those emotions with that hurt, but it's also how those experiences allow her to see the beast differently and it influences someone else positively. My wife said it really well. Our trials can give us our greatest strengths. Suzu, definitely. But in a more literal way, as Hero says, the beast has strength because you drew from the natural strengths that Kai already had from enduring so much. Or Tomo, the purity that he has being depicted as an angel. That's something that he has through his tribe, being able to appreciate things differently. It's a very, very powerful thing and something that I'm grateful for. I was talking to a mentor of mine about a particular difficulty that I'm having in my life and and kind of complaining about it and, you know, almost like expressing, when is this going to be over? And he said, well, Don't just look at it negatively. Look at it positively. Think about how this has given you the gift of empathy. How because of these experiences you're having, you're able to understand people differently than you ever would have before. And I'm not saying that in a boastful way, like, look at me, I'm so empathetic that I have a lot to work on. But it gave me a new perspective that these trials really can give us incredible strengths that change the world. And I know that I wouldn't have this empathy that I do Not to say that I have it in eons, I still need to develop it, but I would have far less if it wasn't for this trial. And that's just one example. But trials or not, kindness and empathy is essential and will change the world. It isn't every day that we have to go rush over to Tokyo to defend some children from abuse. If those opportunities arise, hopefully we can rise to the occasion. But it's every day that we get to interact with strangers, especially online. And we can treat them with kindness and hopefully help them to trust in personal connections that are needed. I think particularly antagonistic type people need 
a refreshing connection that they can trust and rely on. I've mentioned this before on the podcast, if you've listened before, because of the podcast, because of the internet and how that connected with me, with people, I have a very real friendship with two individuals in my life who I never would have met. I live in Utah, they live in New York, Matt and Rob from Matt Goes to the Movies. It's a completely new thing that wouldn't have happened without those relationships through the internet and Matt treating me with so much kindness. The entire story has an essential part of being able to see past and mask, seeing people for who they are and offering empathy and kindness. It's why I love the song, Lend Me Your Voice. The English version of the song is really great, but I love even more the direct translation of the Japanese. So like I mentioned earlier, in composing the song to have the words match the tempo, a lot of the words are changed. But so the Japanese directly translated in English it goes like this. I'm not going to sing it. I'll just read it. You push me away, telling me to leave you alone. But you just don't want me to see what's really inside of you, do you? Anger, fear, sadness. There are nights you can't hold it all in. But you can't talk about it either. Let me hear the voice you try to hide. Let me see the heart that hit, that's hidden there. You tell me that you can live life all alone, but the truth is there were nights you spent telling yourself that over and over again. But it's you I always end up thinking. I want to see whoever it is you become. Let me hear the face you try to hide. Let me see the heart that's hidden there. Let me hear. I don't care how it starts. I'll listen until the end. Listen. I want to be there next to your heart. In the Japanese version of the film, when... At the end of the film, when Suzu and Kai hug in the streets of Tokyo, Kai tells her that he loves her, and she says, I love you too, in return. I was sad that it wasn't in the English version. Not that it's, it's bad. She, they say something else is great. But I, I love that, that that connection doesn't have to be rom- romantic love, but genuine love and care, the same type of relationship that Shinobu has been giving to Suzu for so long, the same type of relationship that Suzu's mom gave love that goes beyond anything romantic. There's also a stanza from the English version of the song that I I really like that expresses this. Lend me your voice, words you try so hard to forget. They'll break through the silence. Bring me close. Let me see the past you regret deep down below. We would change the world if we were someone that people could trust to show us the version of themselves they try to hide. If we each or kind enough and empathetic enough to let people open and show their bruises and the part of themselves they try and hide. We could do a lot. And I think that this is a really, really important reminder, particularly through the depiction of the world of you and that essential part of the, it, it, the essential role it plays in the story. There are masks and, and different lives we live, particularly online. And I'm not saying that that's a bad thing. I think there's many personalities within ourselves that come out in different moments but oftentimes we don't have those people who we open up to the person we try and hide and i think that people needs those relationships those connections they can trust to allow them to do that it's a powerful film that's richly rewarding to watch in the story and the way that these powerful themes are expressed through genuine kind people and characters who you invest so much in so thank you to john go for bringing this film to my attention. And thank you for everyone who crafted this film for crafting such a masterpiece. I was not expecting, this episode wasn't planned. It's a bonus episode for Animation All Fave, but it fits so perfectly. I love animation and all that it can offer. And this is a perfect example. This is a great film. 
If you've enjoyed this episode, please leave a review on podchaser.com slash the basin binge. It also gives you an entry to potentially win one of the films from animation season. To clue you on a little hint, there have not been a lot of reviews, so chances are pretty high that you'd win if you start to review right now. You've got until the end of February. So thank you for being here, for coming back to Animation Hall of Fave 2, or if this is your first episode, subscribe to The Basin Binge for lots of fun episodes coming, like that one I mentioned on A Silent Voice coming kind of towards the end of February, but lots of great animated films to discuss. But once again, this is The Basin Binge, Animation Hall of Fave Volume 2. My name is Harrison, but that's all for now. Ciao, ciao. mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.